0: welcome to the poultry health today podcast where we talk all health all the time here engaging interviews with today's leading industry experts hosted by poultry health today editors podcast episodes highlight the latest ideas insights and advice to improve poultry health welfare performance and food safety
1: Hi, my name is Caroline Stocks of Porch Health Today, and with me is Professor Brian Jordan, who's an Associate Professor at the University of Georgia. Brian, thank you very much for joining us.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: Now, we've talked together about infectious bronchitis virus a lot in the past, but today we're talking about surveillance in broiler breeders rather than in layers. Why is less surveillance done for breeders?
0: It's an interesting question and I don't know, um, I don't know exactly why we do less surveillance other than the fact that that layers and breeders growth are such long-lived birds. Uh, it makes timing, uh, timing your sample collection very difficult. In broilers, you know, we're looking at anywhere from five to eight weeks. We have a typical infection window of about three to five weeks of age, right? So we have a very defined target in doing surveillance in broilers, but for our long-lived birds it, it's, it's more difficult. And we typically don't do it as often because uh, if we're not seeing clinical signs, then we're not as worried about viruses that are circulating.
1: So, how does IBV actually affect breeders and, and what kind of economic losses can they cause?
0: Um, so the typical presentation in broad breeders is a drop in egg production where the birds are infected after they've come into lay, after just, just right as they're reaching peak production or after they've reached peak production. They'll get infected with the bronchitis virus. Recovery is variable. Sometimes birds will see a dip in production, you know, a week or two, and then they'll come back up to peak. Uh, other times the birds may never recover and you always, well, that flock will always fall below the standard production line after that. So
1: some of your research was, lo- or most recent research has been looking at um, the success of IBV vaccination in breeders. Can you tell me a little bit about the, the purpose of the study?
0: Yeah, so over the last several years in broilers, we have have been experiencing a DMV 1639 challenge. That's been our most recent variant. And we haven't experienced that as much or to the same severity in broiler breeders. Um, It it, it occurred to me that we've got to have that virus present in these populations as well. Our birds are so closely intermingled with our our population densities here, particularly in North Georgia, but especially in all the, the poultry producing regions in the U.S., so I wanted to understand, number one, um, was there DMV-1639 out there in these flocks and we just weren't seeing any clinical clinical manifestation of it? And then number two, how well our vaccine programs were working to potentially prevent infection or reduce the clinical signs and clinical severity of a DMV-1639 infection?
1: So can you tell me a little bit about the study, how it was carried out, and um, how many birds were involved?
0: Uh, so this study was actually a complete complex survey. So it was a complex in um, North Georgia, Northeast Georgia, roller Reader complex, and we had them go out and survey every flock that they had of all ages across the entire complex. So ages ranged from as young as six weeks to as old as fifty-six weeks. Um, we had we collected fifteen samples per flock, and we had, I believe, 30 flocks, 32 flocks in total that were part of this complex that, that spanned that whole age range. So it was quite a large sample set. Um, and in, in, this, uh, in this experiment, we just had them collect tracheas. So we were only looking for active infection in the upper respiratory tract. But to ensure that, but again, because that timing is so difficult in understanding what is the, the main time point, the main age to try to collect samples. We also had them draw blood to do serology, mainly ELISA's looking at antibody responses to see if the bird's antibody response matched with what we were finding as far as the vaccine program, but also what we may find as far as challenge viruses. go.
1: So were all of the birds on the uh, on the unit vaccinated for
0: IPB? Yes. So all of the, uh, this whole complex was uh, under the same vaccine program. Um, And so they were given uh, a range of bronchitis vaccines at different ages, um, both live and killed.
1: Can you explain a little bit about how the the PCR analyzer testing was carried out?
0: Right. So the PCR was, was carried out on trachea tissue. So samples would come into the lab. We would take the tracheas and cut portions of the trachea. We would homogenize the tissue. Uh, purify RNA from that tissue and then run our our specific uh, real-time PCR uh, on that RNA that we isolated. Um, with the assays that we have, we have a, a pan IVV test, which will tell us if there's bronchitis in the sample at all. And then we have serotype-specific tests that will tell us which serotype is present Um, If it's one that we know with the timing being so critical, there is a big window of of opportunity where we may have missed a virus. And so that's where the serology and the ELISA comes into play. So if a bird does get infected, it's going to develop antibodies and we can measure that antibody level with with the ELISA assay. And that's going to help us understand if, you know, these birds were infected at some point and we just missed it with our PCR only looking for active infection at that particular age.
1: So what did you find then by doing this, this dual kind of testing?
0: So honestly, the main finding was that um, the vaccination protocols for this complex did not seem to be uh, as effective as we would like. Overall, the, the, the young birds, the pullets, were well below what we would expect for viral load from vaccine, and, and their Liza titers were below what we would expect for a, a typical farm. Uh, and then once the birds got older, their titers jumped very sharply, um, telling us that there was a challenge virus that moved through the flock. Now, there was no clinical presentation. So, you know, we can take that data with a grain of salt, but it at least gives us that picture and can help us kind of define uh, when we really need to look at maybe taking more samples or uh, doing some more monitoring.
1: So what was potentially going wrong with the the vaccination technique then?
0: Well, there, there are a few things that could be happening. Um, it's most likely an application issue uh, when we discussed application in the past, you know, we typically talk about hatchery application for boilers, which is somewhat controlled, defined. The chicks are in a nice chick basket. You know, they're a captive audience, but vaccinating for bronchitis in the field is much different where the birds are all on the floor. They're running around. There's drinker lines, feed pans, there's equipment in the way. Um, You're walking through with some sort of backpack type sprayer, typically, and trying to spray the birds as they move through the house. So it's just a lot less efficient. There's a lot more room for error there. Um, You also have drinking water application, which could be used. That's not what was used in this particular complex, but that is used in the industry. Um, And that has its own set of hurdles as well, making sure that the birds get a full dose in the drinking line, making sure the drinking lines are cleaned and prepped properly so that you don't inactivate vaccine once you put it into the drinker. Um, it's, you know, timing is an issue, making sure that all the vaccine gets used in a certain amount of time, right? So there's just a lot more challenges that you have to overcome when you're vaccinating in the field versus vaccinating uh, in the hatchery.
1: What would be your key takeaways from the research? Do you think that, that doing surveillance of breeders is, is, is necessary and more people should be doing it? I don't know
0: that true surveillance in the sense of we need to sample the entire complex, all the flocks uh, at a lot of different time points is truly necessary. Um, we do have, they do do serology routinely in these, in these birds. So you can monitor your, your ELISA antibodies, your titers, and get a pretty good idea of when a challenge may be coming into the flock. I would go back and say though, that doing some surveillance to monitor your vaccination program is important just to make sure that the birds are actually getting the vaccine that you're trying to administer to them. So that you are not wasting time, not wasting money, and then potentially leaving your flock open to to infection.
1: And how often would you suggest people do that and what kind of proportion of of, uh, the flock?
0: So it depends on what your vaccine program is um, and how many times you're actually giving a bronchitis vaccine and which vaccine you're giving, to be honest, because not all bronchitis vaccines are created equal. So if you are, if two weeks of age is your first vaccination time point then I would definitely test after your first vaccine because that's your very critical priming vaccine. Um, so seven days after that first application, we would wanna go in and take some swabs and, and just see what the vaccine replication rate looks like and how many of the of the population was affected. Um, and then depending on how far, how many, how many times you get, I, I think it would be of value to do another sampling after your last live bronchitis vaccine administration just to see um, where that administration is and how many birds, again, and what the infection level was, because that's the last live they're going to see. That's the last prime they're going to get. And if you give a kill after that, then you're really looking for antibody levels, not for bile replication. So, you know, testing the beginning, kind of testing the end, the last live, or, or the two, I would say, are probably the most critical. And if both of those values look good, then you can be pretty confident that any vaccinations in between those two are also going well because you're typically using the same vaccine crews, the same pullet manager that's overseeing the process, right? So the protocols are going to be the same. Thanks for listening to the Poultry Health Today podcast. To get the latest news and interviews delivered to your inbox twice a week, subscribe to our e-newsletter by visiting poultryhealthtoday.com slash join.